Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us to grow, but while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful day in South Florida, and I just watched the weather, and we've got some guests from Texas here, and boy, is it cold in Texas today. My daughter called last night and said, Mom, it's going to be about 5 degrees out here, and I'm like, burr, you can move to Florida. Anyway, it's beautiful here today, and it's a great day, and I'm really excited about our topic and our guest today because it hits my passion button. Our guest today is Miss Debbie Silverman. We have the Debbie's group today. I'm so excited about that too. Deb's book that she wrote is called Protecting the Rabbit Ears Generation. She's also, well, let me get, let me welcome her. Let me make sure that she's here. Miss Debbie Silverman, are you there? I'm here and thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh, I'm really excited. This is going to be a fun show today. It's a hot topic. And uh, let me just tell people a little bit about you. I know you through Women's Prosperity Network and I think people have heard that before. Um, I don't know that we've met in person. Many of us haven't, but uh, we've become best buds over the over the internet through Zoom. But when I heard your about your book, probably last year or year before, I was like, oh my gosh, she's got it dead on because, you know, I've got my romance scam and relationship scam, and there's banking scam, and there's all these things. But our parents, our grandparents, are one of the most important generations, and the scam, the elder fraud that's going on. I see it here in Florida, you're in Florida, uh, around the world is just irritating and annoying and, and just makes us all angry. But let me, let me tell people who you are, Deb. And I love okay. the byline here. If you think it can't happen to your family, think again. Debbie Silverman is a human behavior specialist. She's president of Consumer Perspective, LLC, a consumer research company, and a two-time Effie Award winner for marketing excellence. She's the creator and co-author of the Amazon number one bestseller, It's Just a Conversation, What to Say and How to Say It in Business, and that's a co-author with our friend Trish Carr. And she's the author of the newly released book, Protecting the Rabbit Ears Generation, True Stories of Crime, Fraud, and Scams Against Our Seniors and Elderly. And I love this statement. It says, having witnessed fraud against my aging aunt of 93, I realized her story and countless others, along with tips to protect one's money and family, need to be told. And boy, is that the whole premise behind Stand Up and Speak Up. Because things happen to us, and we're so embarrassed about it, and no one wants to talk about it. And if we don't 
it'll never stop. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, it's extraordinary, and I'm really so grateful that you're here to, to tell us what's going on. So before we start, though, I'd like people to hear it from you. Who are you, Miss Debbie Silverman? Where did you come from? I know you're down in South Florida, but where did you grow up? And uh, tell me a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, first of all, again, thank you for inviting me on your show. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the platform because you have an amazing platform to really get the word out. And my goal, especially with this book, is to help at least one senior and elderly person from being scammed out of their life savings. So if I can do that, I've accomplished my mission. And I believe I can do a lot more than one person. So I, I grew up in Staten Island, New York, small, a fairly small uh, city in New York. And um, what can I tell you? I, you know, basic, basic grow up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I used to think of Staten Island as a cemetery with lights, but uh, <laughs> some of us appreciate it more than others. I guess now that I'm not there and, and my family's here too, I don't really have a need to, to be there anymore. I have some friends though that are still there. So anyway, I uh, I went into I moved into the city into Manhattan, and then I worked for advertising agencies when I was in Manhattan, and then in '92 uh, I was recruited to come down to South Florida to head up an advertising agency, the market research department in an advertising agency in South Florida, and while I was uh, doing that, then I decided, you know what, I'm going to open my own business, which is Consumer Perspective LLC, which is a market research company. And I opened my business because I was tired of sitting in meetings, hearing people say, I think this is a good idea. I think we should do this. And when you start a conversation like that in business, it ends up costing you more time and money. So I created Consumer Perspective to take the guesswork out of marketing. So I did that. And then I was... uh, the way I got to the book, Protecting the Rabbit Ears Generation, is uh, my aunt, as you said, of 93 years old, uh, was in, in and out of the hospital, then in rehab, and she really, once she went in the hospital, she never went home again. And it was one of those things where uh, she didn't have any children. I, w- I was like her daughter, and I was in Florida. She's in Staten Island. And uh, it just got to be a bit much. You know, it was like, well, I have to take care of them for the finances. I have to take care of paying the bills and so on and helping her out. And I was the POA on the account. And one time when she was in the hospital, we called the bank to see what the balance was to make sure that we could pay all the bills. And she was very aware, very smart lady. I mean, she did her research. She, would, she did it the old-fashioned way, Debbie. She would go to the library and look things up when, when people still did, did that and had a library card and so mm-hmm. on. She didn't go online. She didn't know what it was to go online. She didn't have any mechanism to go online. She had an old TV with rabbit ears, okay? And when I say rabbit ears, those are the antenna that stick up from the TV, if people we had one. <laughs> yeah, well, I did too, actually, for a while. So it's before all these smart TVs came around, you know. And so we were in the hospital looking, calling the bank, making sure she had the right amount, and we checked with her checking account, and yes, she had the right amounts. We were writing the bills and so on. And then I went to the bank one day, and I was looking at a statement. And since she made me POA on it, I was able to get access to her checking account statement. And on the statement, it said, online transfer. And I'm like, what? How is that possible? And I went and I said to the bank, I said, 
I don't understand this. Did she call and say, please move the funds from here to there? He said, no, no, no. Your, your aunt made an online transfer. I said, wait a minute, hold on a second. I said, she's 93 years old. She's in the hospital. She does not have access to a computer. She doesn't have access to a smartphone. She doesn't have a cell phone or, or an iPad or anything else. I said, she doesn't even have a microwave, okay? I said, how is this possible? Well, that's what she did. Mm. So, you know, she got sicker, and we didn't, um, a good friend of mine and I who were helping her out in the hospital, and my mom too, we said we weren't going to tell her what was going on because we didn't want to really kill her at that point. You know, it was like that would be it. And so we took it upon ourselves to do what we could to find out what was going on. And I found out that there, you know, there was an online transfer. And the online transfer went from her savings to her checking account. And what happened was when she checked her checking, the amount seemed right, but she never looked at her savings account. And if, for your listeners, if you have two accounts with the same bank and one happens to be a savings account and one happens to be a checking account, please, 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 please look at both accounts on a regular basis. Because what, what is happening was the guy who was doing the stealing, who happened to live upstairs from her apartment, managed somehow to get a hold of her information and was moving funds from her savings account to her checking account. So she never knew that there was something wrong because she always looked at the checking account and that looked right. So that's, that's the first tip I have for your listeners is please check both accounts very carefully and on a regular basis. When I say regular basis, if you can do it weekly, great. If you can't, do it once a month, at least when your statements are ready. Because I also learned you have 30 plus five days to make a claim. So if you find a discrepancy in your account or accounts, you have 30 plus five days to make that claim. If you go past that 30 plus five days, which I learned, they're not responsible. The bank is not responsible. And they say, well, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if you have, God forbid, a, a sick um, parent or a sick aunt or a sick relative, whatever it might be, that can't get to their statements all the time or is not able to really look at their statements coherently, then how how do you do that? How do you have that 30 plus five days? So you do need to have a family member, a very close friend, somebody who you truly trust to help you through this process. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. There's a lot of information there. Yes. The first, the first part here is you were in Florida and your aunt was up in New York. Correct? Yes, that's correct. In Staten so you were, you, were, you were distanced. There was a close friend of your aunt's, a former banker, is that right? Yes. That was up there and she befriended her. Yes. So she was the one that was actually that, did she have access to the online stuff? Well, obviously there wasn't online stuff. Did she have access to your aunt's accounts too? Did you give her access? No, she did not. She did not. So she was going through you. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And this irritates me about the bank because I'm a former banker. But um, when I first read your book, when when did it come out? A couple years ago? No? Yeah, 2019. When it first came out, and you mentioned that check your savings account. I'm online all the time. <laughs> and I have access to my parents' accounts because I'm on their accounts. I check their accounts. I check our accounts. My husband, perfect ex- ex- you know, uh, example of this. He gets a, a telephone 
blip on the, you know, every morning, a notice, notification from the bank, tells him what the checking account balance is. And so he'll call me up and say, well, I, I bought something and you'll see that it went down. I said, well, you don't have to tell me that because I'm looking at it all the time. He has never looked at the savings account. Mm-hmm. So I tell him, I'm like, if you see it, he goes, it doesn't show up on my, on my notifications. That is so important. Same thing happened to my daughter. She had a savings account when she was younger. Had a little checking account. Savings account got wiped out. Mm. Somebody walked into a branch. I'm like, how the heck can they do that? We couldn't report it because it was in Georgia. Hmm. You can't do anything unless you have a police report. You got to get a police report in person. Couldn't oh, yeah. do it. Got to watch those ch- those savings accounts. Here's the thing that we don't listen to. And you had power of attorney. I, I'm on the account, but we now also have power of attorney in case something happens to me. Um, that trusted contact. You mentioned that in the book. I don't know if we added it on, um, but the financial services departments have trusted contacts. The banks don't. Hmm. And like you said, the bank's going to say, not our fault, not our fault. It, it, we need to be proactive in doing this. And thank goodness you, you were there for your aunt because she would have been wiped out completely. I mean, if she oh, was she was. Um, but that's important so that there's someone there that, and here's the word, trust. Because we know that most, most, I was going to say 60% of fraud, I've heard that, that um, number, of fraud is done by somebody that you know could be in your family. That's true. And, you know, it's interesting, Debbie, when I went to the bank and sat down with some of these bankers and had a conversation with them, and I was hearing some of the stories they were telling me about, and one was just so, one was more horrific than the next, but one that kind of sticks with me is that this elderly man went into the bank with his aide and was forced to take out most of his money from his savings account because the aide was threatening him that she was going to kill his wife if he didn't do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, and, and they can't talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it because they're, they're warned by, like in this case, the aide warned the, uh, the gentleman. He said, she said, if you tell anybody, if you tell your wife, I will, I will hurt you. And we're not bashing aides here because we all know no, that they're no. so important. The key here, though, is vet who the aide is and who the aide works for. You know, you get what you pay for sometimes. And I'm going through that now, trying to figure out, you know, my parents have had some some health issues. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I need to prepare for that because I can't do this all myself, being that sandwich generation. Um, But do you hear that? You hear that about aides. Now, your aunt had an aide. She did have an aide, yes. she had an aide. How did the aide play into this story? Well, the, the aide, um, what happened was when I started going through all the records and the checks, the actual checks, I saw checks made out to cash for insane amounts of money, like $30,000, $50,000, made out to cash. And in the memo part of the check, if people, <laughs> I'm sure your listeners know, but there might be some younger listeners that don't even know what a check is, but there's a little <laughs> right. memo area on the bottom that you write what it's for. And they would put down home improvement or whatever it is. And then there was one or two checks that were written out to this guy's name. And when I spoke to the aide, I said, do you know this person? And she said, yeah. I said, who is it? I said, oh, that's my boyfriend. I'm like, really? And I said, well, 
did you know that there were checks written out to your boyfriend for also crazy amounts of money, $10,000, $15,000, whatever it was. And she said, oh, oh, I didn't know about that. And then she, I said, well, that's odd, you know, that you didn't know. And she said, well, we're going to pay your aunt back. Like now all of a sudden oh, it was a loan. No, a loan. Oh, dear. Yeah. So that was also part of it. I mean, it was just so convoluted, this fraud and this, this whole scam and this whole thing, that it was like peeling back a piece of an onion to find what really happened. And well, what really, and if I may, what really happened was the tenant above my aunt managed to get her mail and was able to get her account number. Hmm. And he created this online account. He, the, the neighbor's boyfriend. The neighbor's right? boyfriend, that's correct. Yeah, it wasn't boyfriend. the neighbor, it was the neighbor's boyfriend. That's correct, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. And um, I was playing Nancy Drew one day when I finally figured out what was going on. And this was reported to the police. I had to sit in the police to, um, uh, department and fill out paperwork for like four hours, you know, and spoke to the detectives and all this stuff. So at one point, the detective said to me, do I know this person's name? And I said, you know, it sounds vaguely familiar, but I really don't know if I know that person or if I've heard of that person. And it's, it turns out my, aunt's, uh, my aunt owned part of the apartment house she lived in, and the tenant above her, uh, his, her, girl, I'm sorry, her boyfriend was the one who was doing this. And they came in one day, and they had to go past my aunt's apartment on the first floor to get to their apartment, to go upstairs to their apartment. And when they came in one day, I heard the door open, and I opened the door, my aunt's uh, apartment door, and I said, oh, hi, how you doing? I want to introduce myself, and I said, you know, um, I would really like to get a picture of you guys, because my mom is also part of the building, and she would like to know who's living here. And the boyfriend said, oh, we'll send you a picture. And I said, you know, know what, let me, let me just take a quick picture with my cell phone. So thank God. I mean, I was playing uh, Nancy Drew or whatever that, <laughs> that detective was. And I was playing Nancy Drew, and I said, let me just take a picture. And I took the picture, and I sent it to the detective right away. And he said, this is very, very, very helpful. Because what they were able to do was match his image to the image in the bank from mm -hmm. the videos. Because mm -hmm. he, he actually went to the, to the bank to make to put deposits in and stuff. So unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it just folds. Everything keeps folding back. Like I said, like an onion. You know, <laughs> the more I found, the more I was like, oh my god, this is just, so, this is just going on so and here's, on. Here's a question. And now he opened up the online account because he knew the, the he knew the account number because he got it out of the bank statements. How did he get your aunt's personal information? Well, I guess online. Uh, or through other mail that he may have picked up because, as he said, that he lived above her. So he was able – they didn't have the regular mailboxes like we have now mm -hmm. or where you slip it through a door, the, the slit in the door kind of thing. It was more like placed on the floor by her apartment. So he was able to get access to a lot of different things. So it's very creative, isn't it? And he was in kind of cahoots with the aide. Is that right? Do I have that yes, part? yes, because the aide – the aide, we believe, uh, what happened was stole the checks from my aunt. And my aunt remembers, my aunt was pretty much deaf. And she slept with the light on every night. And she remembers, she couldn't remember if this was a dream or if this really happened. And she saw like a shadow in her room. And she said, you know, it's odd because when I woke up, the light was off. So it was the aide in her apartment, in her bedroom, 
rummaging through everything to find the checks and stole the checks. Well, and here's another idea, because I know this has happened with my parents. If you look in their wallets, their social security card could be there. Their Medicare card, which used to have their social security numbers on there, is yes. in there. Their driver's license, their birth dates, there is so much personal information in our parents, and in ours, in our own wallets, that a true con man, a scammer, has access to that easily, especially in, this, in your aunt's you know, capacity of having that aid there. The aid had all that information in front of her. That's true. Could, that's a very good point. And that very well may have happened. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's, you know, I tell my mom and dad, don't put your social security card in your wallets. I know you need to have it. So my mom has little notes everywhere. Bless her heart. Yeah. She's, she's going to listen to this show. And I'm going to say, come on, <laughs> get it out of there. Give it to me, you know. Um, so that's well, here's thing. another suggestion, Deb. Here's another suggestion. And this is something that not everybody's going to want to do because it feels like it, it takes over your, your uh, privacy. Invasive. Yes, it's invasive. But, but what I would suggest is if you can, if you're going to have aids in the house, I would suggest you put cameras mm. in specific areas where money is kept or where checks are kept or wherever it might be just to protect that person or if there's jewelry in the room, whatever mm. it is, you need to have some, some surveillance. And the person that you trust needs to have that access. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, because it's too easy. You know, it's too easy. And, and so many times, I mean, we're down here in Florida, um, but the, the grandmothers are down here and, and just reverse of you. You know, the, the aunt's up in New York, you're down here. Right. The aunt's down here, you're up in New York. You know, and so many of our elderly, and, and particularly down here, um, are, are on their own. They're in assisted living. They're in homes, and they have AIDS come in. They're alone. And, uh, and they really, you know, it's like my scammer. They become family. And you want that. You want the aid to become like family, but you've got to, they've got to remember that they work for you. They're not family. Yes. And, right. and I've had friends who, uh, you know, parents have passed on, and all of a sudden they find out that the will has been changed. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, money's been left to the aid, and they're like, how did this happen? Yes. Um, so not to bash the aids again, just, you know, make sure you have a credible agency or a credible background check done on the aid. So back to your, back to your aunt and the scam, because this is important. Once you figured all this out, mm -hmm. what happened to the guy? <laughs> well, he was arrested for about five hours. And what happened was he got an attorney, and what happened was since my aunt at that point had passed away, there were no witnesses. There were, like, she couldn't come forth and say, yes, this is what happened. Hmm. So because of that, he was let go on a misdemeanor. And he had, he had robbed from her about, I want to say it was about $130,000. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. Now, because we were able to identify him and everything else, and he was arrested, uh, the detective was able to find a bank account with a certain amount of money in it. So I would say we got back about 80% from what he stole, and then the bank gave us piddles. <laughs> they just gave us just something to so, so go away? Yes, yeah, to make us go away. And that's another, that's another whole issue. 
So he did some time, and then obviously he escaped. Uh, His he time was about five hours, Debbie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, it was a slap on the wrist, basically. How about the aide? Oh, the aide, that was it. She, she disappeared. Couldn't do anything with the aide. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> I just want to go, you know, I know. You, I know. you want to scream like, and strangle somebody, but it well, can't work do. that way. You do, and the problem is it happens all the time. And I'm so glad you're speaking up because I can see your aunt up there just going, go, Debbie. <laughs> just <laughs> tell, them, tell them what happened. And so let's move on. Let's, I thank, thank, I'm thankful for your aunt. I'm sorry this happened. I'm really grateful that she didn't know that it was happening. Yeah. Um, and that, that happens a lot, folks. People don't know what's happening to them. And I have a girlfriend down here, who, her stepfather, she's been in the same situation where, you know, he keeps giving stuff away and she gets so angry. Um, and not at him, but you do take your frustrations out on them sometimes. Just be careful because some, they don't know sometimes. They're just trying to be kind. You know, they want to they wanna be nice. Maybe your aunt did give some money to her aid because, you know, they're together all the time but not checks written out to cash for 30000 And I would fault the bank for cashing those. You know, that's when, I, when I contacted, when I was in the bank, and I said, how could this happen? How could, how could these checks for cash at these large amounts? Nobody made a phone call to my aunt to find out what was going on. No, nobody said anything. Yeah. They said, well, you, she didn't have the right account. I'm like, what? I, I don't understand that. What do you mean she didn't have the right account? Well, she didn't, she didn't have, what was it, you know, the, the oh, top-level oh. account with the most protection and that kind the of thing. private bankers. Yeah. Yes, yes. But still, you know, and, and as a banker, anything over $10,000, you got to report it anyway. If, and, and we never had, well, maybe the big banks had it. I worked for World Savings. It was a smaller bank. We didn't have that kind of cash sitting around. We'd have to order it. So there'd be a timeline but I, I, you know, there's a lot of repercussions with with that much cash going out because now you know that's money laundering and all sorts of fun things yes, yes. anyway well thanks for aunt b and uh, and what happened so we're going to move on because this is important aunt b wasn't your grandmother but we have grandmothers tell me about the grandmother scam well the grandmother scam is something that uh it's it's so prevalent and what happens is You'll be home doing, you know, whatever it is, reading the paper, and all of a sudden you get a phone call. And a lot of these people are alone, or if they have a spouse, but they're older people. You know, they're in their 80s, maybe 90s, maybe, I don't know, but they're older people. And they want, they're, they're lonely, and they want to have company, and they want to talk to somebody. And somebody will make a phone call, and they'll, all of a sudden they'll put on a child's voice and have them yell out, Grandma, Grandma, help me, help me. And the, the grandmother will automatically say the person's name thinking it's their grandchild. So they'll say, you know, Jennifer, is that you? Or Jenny, is that you? And, and yes, Grandma, help me, help me. And then this guy will get on the phone and say, well, Jennifer, now he knows the name, or Jenny, is, is in a cell in wherever it is. And it could be Puerto Rico. It could be anywhere, you know, that they decide it's going to be. And she, she was uh, accused of a horrible crime, and we want to get, you know, she shouldn't be here. I wouldn't, want my grand, I wouldn't want my child here either or my grandchild here either. You know, you have to do something to get her out. Well, what do I do? What do I do? And at this point, there's any sense of reason has, has gone out the window because mm -hmm. people are, are reacting emotionally. And that's what they do. They want to get you to react emotionally. And so what happens then is that the, the grandmother or the, whoever's on the phone will say, how do I, what do I do? What do I do? And they'll say, 
go to and they'll give you a store and it could be Best Buy, it could be Publix, it could be, I mean, in your supermarket, it could be anywhere where you can get gift cards. And they'll tell you to buy a certain number and amounts of gift cards. And one of the stories in my book, the woman was told to go and buy $2,000 of worth of gift cards. So it's $500, or $500 gift cards. Mm. And what happens with gift cards, your listeners know this, once you buy a gift card and you give the code away, it's worthless to you. But mm-hmm. it means a lot to the person you've given the code to. Because mm-hmm. once they have the code, they can cash that in. So they go, people go run out, they buy these gift cards, and then they give the code away. And that's it. They've lost their money and nothing ever happened. And, and what happens is the scammer will tell the person on the phone, tell the grandmother, don't tell her parents or don't tell his parents. They, you know, they only get in the way and they stop the process and we want to get this person out as soon as possible out of the jail. So don't tell anybody. Don't tell the parents. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and the grandparent or grandmother wants to be the big protector, wants to be the one that saved them, you know, yeah. the hero. So they don't say anything. And what happens is they go to the store, they run off like, like a crazy person, and they run to the store and they get the gift cards, and then they give the code away, and then they've lost their money. And sometimes this happens more than once because they still believe that the child's in there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's, to me, that's like I can't understand that, but it happens because we react emotionally. Well, and as soon as you hear, I mean, I'm, I'm a grandmother. Um, my, my grandkids are little, so and obviously I know about this, but I've, I've heard this happen. And I've had people up here that have lost you know, tens of thousands of dollars because of this. They run out, yeah. they, they, their brain just got hijacked. And, and the other thing is, is sometimes the scammers are very threatening, saying, yes. do it quickly, do it now, and, and I'll stay on the phone while you go, <laughs> you know, if they have a cell phone. Um, but they get scared, and they want to protect. I mean, my next-door neighbor, her, this happened to her aunt. Mm-hmm. And it, they called about my girlfriend's son. Not even the aunt. The aunt, ha- it, it, the aunt was like your aunt. She didn't have any children. But she knew when she got the call, and it was like, Grandma, this is, you know, so-and-so. Drew? Yeah. Well, Drew sounded funny. Mm-hmm. Well, Grandma, you know, I, I got hit in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Made, his, made him so he couldn't talk properly. Don't tell my mom. Right. And fortunately, a neighbor was there and said, of course you're going to call his mom. And so Auntie Mary did call mom mm-hmm. uh, and found out that it was a scam. But if she had been alone, she would have done it. You know what else, Debbie? You know what else happens, which is sad? When these people run to the store to get a gift card and somebody will say to them, you know, this doesn't sound right. This could be a scam. Oh, no, no, no. I have to get this money. I have to get this money. So they they just lose all sense of reality. And they're not hearing. They're not listening to what this other person is saying to them because they're so frightened. Well, I got to tell you a personal story that happened to me. You know, when I was when I was being um, when I was sending money to my guy. I didn't listen the first time when they said, hey, do you know this guy? I said, of course I know him. You know, he's my friend. And do you know this guy? Of course I know him. That's a lot of money to be sending. I know. And my gut was probably saying, yep, it is a lot of money. You shouldn't be doing this. But you got, you're so attached to that point. And you want to do it. You want to help him out. You want to get the kid back. You want to get your boyfriend back. You want to do whatever. It's not logical, but you just do it. And I know Tim's on, Dr. Tim McGinnis, the founder of SCARS, is on the line going, ah, got to talk, got to talk. Tim, I'll bring you in soon. <laughs> um, 
But there, you know, we do it. We just do it, and the grandparents do it because they're afraid that the kids going to get hurt even more, and they want it. Like you said, they want to protect because we do. We do want to protect. Um, so just be careful of those telephone calls because then it's the the IRS scam, you know, and they're they're going to come and the the police are on their way if you don't get your money. And and what what are some of the other scams you've heard? Because your book has really got some terrific stories in here, and I'm really proud of the people that came out and told their stories because we know victims do not want to tell. Yes, that's right. And well, you know, just just for a moment, the IRS scam. First of all, your listeners should know IRS will never ever call you. They will send you a letter if there's an issue. Yeah. So if you get a call, just hang up. <laughs> Don't answer it. Let it go to the voicemail anyway. And uh, there are other scams. Now you you had mentioned before about um, people wanting to help. There's a charity scam. I'm not saying all charities. I'm just saying you have to be aware and know what's going on. And in my book, there's a story about a woman who was giving to this church who she thought was, was up on the up and up and everything was fine, and it was a scam. All they were doing was taking her money. That's all they were doing. And then they would threaten her when she didn't give the same amount she gave last year or she gave less mm-hmm. or whatever it was. So they were threatening her. I mean, these things are just unbelievable. And there's a jewelry scam. There's a scam in my book about how this woman uh, who had a, a ring, a diamond ring, was about $75,000 ring, and she wanted to have it appraised because she needed money for some medical issues. And she gave her ring to a friend who said, oh, I, ha- I know this jeweler, and she supposedly oh, was a friend. And the jeweler, and, and what they did was, Instead of, uh, she said, I just wanted appraised, right? All I wanted is appraised. The fact that she did not sign anything or in the fact that she gave it to a trusted, quote, trusted friend, and what happened was they took the ring, the jeweler sold it, and then wanted to give the woman who, had, who owned the ring like $1,000. Mm-hmm. Then we sold it and here's the money. It's like, what are you talking about? All I wanted was appraised. I didn't want it sold. I wanted it appraised. And, and so that's a whole other thing with the police, and she's getting involved with the police and so on. And it's, it's like you have to be so aware of what you're doing yeah. and who you're dealing with. Yeah. And even if a friend recommends a jeweler, uh, you, know, you have to be very careful. You take pictures of the jewelry. You make sure that when you get to the jeweler, you take it personally to the jeweler. You sit with that person. Go to a reputable jeweler if you want it appraised. Do not just give it off like that and say, oh, it, I'm sure it'll be fine. Cause well, it's that's not. true. Uh, I had a jeweler once, and he said, Deb, you've got to stay here. You're going to sit here while I'm doing this to your ring. Um, because sometimes they can actually take the stone out and replace it with glass or, you know, cubic. That's right. Whatever. And you, you won't know it because you're not a trained person. And I know we've had some jewelry experts online uh, on our show, and it's it's we do not have a trained eye. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, some cubic looks just like my nice diamond. Um, so yeah, don't I mean don't trust people with your jewelry. And and there's another one, another story in your book about the the um, the woman was at the grocery store. Can you, do you remember that story? Oh yes, yes. Can you uh, tell very, that one? Very close friend. Yes, very close friend of the family. Uh, older woman, beautiful white hair, uh, very frail looking. And she walked with a walker and the whole thing. And she went into the grocery store. And she, when she came out with her packages, 
there was a car, a young woman, and then there was another car with an older gentleman. And the young woman said, can I help you with your packages? And she said, no, 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 I'm fine. You know, she took care of it. And then the gentleman said, well, let me help you with your packages. And, and I guess my, my, it's a friend, family friend. I guess she felt, well, okay, the man can help me, but the woman can because it's mm-hmm. kind of old school, you know. Mm-hmm. So the guy helped her with the packages, and she thanked him, and she went home. And she lives in a gated community, and she went home, and she was getting out of her car, and all of a sudden, the gentleman appeared. And I don't know if somehow he followed her and was able to get into the community, even though she, or he may live there. I don't know. But it scared my uh, family friend. It, it scared her so much that she was like, what are you, what are you doing? What? He's like, I want to help you with your packages. And she's like, well, I've got this. I've got it. Thank you. And he said, well, let me, hold, let me hold your purse for you while you unload the car. She's like, no. <laughs> Never give your purse to anybody. No. So at that point, she thanked him, and she took whatever she could take or carry at that point and went into the laundry room because she didn't want him to see where she actually lives. Mm-hmm. So she went into the laundry room and waited for him to leave, and he did. And it was like crazy because, yes, it could be as innocent as the gentleman wanted to help her with her packages. But when someone asks you, let me hold your purse for you, that's like, no, uh-uh, go away. But can't you see it happening, you know? We have an older older woman that we're st- – here I'm just saying older woman. We're so trusting, you know? I, I, I know my mom's listening to this show or she's going to be listening to the show, but I can see mom, you know, saying, this gentleman saying, hey, can I help you? And she goes, absolutely. Do not give your purse. Hold on to your purse. Right. You know, don't. That's right. Because as we get older, because you, I know uh, with mom just started to use, had to use a walker this past week just for a couple of days, you don't have enough hands. She's trying to hold the bottle, a bottle of water and push the walker and hold a towel to go to the pool or whatever we were doing. You don't have enough unless your walker is one of those fabulous ones that has a cup holder and a purse holder and all that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, the generic ones nice don't have <laughs> Yeah, so you're looking, it's very nice that someone will ask you, to, you know, can they help you? Yeah. And, uh, uh, that yeah, one, it could be very innocent. It could be it very could innocent. However, you have to be aware. You just have to be aware and know what's possible. Yeah. Yeah, that one was just odd though that he showed up at her house. It's like, but and then he, then you hear the ones though if you're in the you're in the uh, in the parking lot though, and they're trying to help you in the parking lot. You never know if there's a second person that might be there. So if even if you put your purse in the car, and I've heard this at gas stations, don't have the passenger side door open because yes. you're paying attention to putting gas in the car. Here's a, this is for us too. You're putting gas in the car. You're on the left side of the car if your tank's on the left side. If your purse is in your front seat and your window's open or the door's open, there could be someone that comes and opens up your door, snatch, takes your purse, and runs. Mm-hmm. Lock the door of your car on the right-hand passenger side when you're, you yourself are doing gas. Same with your parents. You know? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm all raw up on this one because it just is irritating to me that there's so many people out there <laughs> so nasty and are you know and have no mind of uh, or conscience that well I've just taken from somebody 
And there's nothing worse than your purse getting stolen because then you've got to get all of your ID and cards and everything replaced, and ugh, so annoying. And of course, the of course, you know, it's easy to be the Monday morning Monday morning quarterback and say, well, write down all your information and hide it somewhere. <laughs> but do it now. Remember to do it now. When you get off this call, or when you get off, when you stop, when you're not listening to this, or you're not, you have a few moments free. Just go and write down all your information and put it someplace else. That's a really good point because I have a book called Answers, and I actually I, I made photocopies of my cards and I put them in that book. For me, I put all the 800 numbers to call if you know if something happens, because when you're trying to redo all that stuff, you don't remember. You just yeah. don't remember what you had in your wallet, and. Uh, so my mother-in-law lost her, her, had her wallet stolen years and years ago, and uh, and as soon as that happened, that when we replaced it all, I I did that to her, for her, but I did it yes. for me, because it you know if something happens to us, it'd be nice for our kids to come in and say, oh okay, so I need to contact this credit card, this bank, this whatever, um, and it's all right there, all the numbers are right there. Now, don't let your aide know that you have it there. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I have heard of people, you know, they had all this stuff written down and then a boyfriend or something in the house just came and wiped them out and skipped country. Um, so it happens. Just beware and be aware is what we really want to say here. Deb, how can people get a hold of your book? Well, uh, they can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's also available in Kindle. Or they can contact me directly, and I can send them uh, a signed copy of it if they'd like. And it comes with a little gift as well. So it's uh, the email address is rabbit ears r a b b i t e a r s book b o o k at gmail dot com. Okay. So and I got the book in the box, and it was just a lovely presentation. But it is an excellent book to pass on to your mothers or your grandmothers just so that we're aware. That is the whole point of this talk is to be aware because yeah. there's nothing more annoying than to have someone scam you, and, you know, for something that this shouldn't have happened. Your aunt should not have been taken like this. No, um, no. And if I may, there's just one other scam that's probably going to happen now or, or soon, and that's the... Um, the publisher's clearinghouse scam. Oh, our parents love that. Yeah. What's, what's that one? That one is someone will call you and tell you that you won the publisher's clearinghouse and that in order to collect your winnings, you have to pay the taxes. Mm. And they will never do that. As you know by the TV commercials, they will show up at your house if you won. Mm. Okay, so be careful there. Um, I heard one yesterday about a, a young friend of mine because we were talking about teenagers that are being scammed. It's the opposite end of the, of the age group. Um, and someone, she was going to sell a piece of jewelry. I think it was an engagement ring, and she didn't get married to that guy. And the person that wanted to buy it says, I will send you the check. It's going to be for more money, so then I need for you to send some back to me. Oh, yeah. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Because right. they've stolen that check, and then, then you're on the hook for that. So if it sounds like it's not right, guys, just don't do it. And so that's kind of a good segue because I know Tim has just really wanted to come into this conversation. Dr. Tim McGinnis, the founder of SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. Tim, this is right up our alley, and I know you want to jump in. Before, wow. you, do any, before you do anything, let people know how – folks in our organization can get the book from the SCARS store. Right. 
So if you go to shop.againstscams.org, uh, we do have the book featured, as well as Debbie's book, as well as as other uh, principals in our organization, such as uh, Alina Yusolin. So let, let's go back to the early subject on accounts. One of the things that most people are not aware of is that you can set up an online banking account simply by having a copy of the statement if the account online has not been set up yet. So it's critically important that if you have a bank account that you do set up the online banking even if you don't use it to prevent someone else from from creating it. The same is true for Social Security. If you don't have your online Social Security account set up yet, do it. Get help from a family member or friend because this helps prevent the takeover of your account. Now, relative to the scammer that you dealt with, Debbie, mm -hmm. what you forgot to do was turn him into the IRS for tax evasion. He may have done no time for the bunco charge, but he can do 25 years for tax evasion. Hmm. Okay. Ooh. And it is doesn't there, matter. Is there a statute of limitations? Uh, not on tax evasion. There you go, That's Deb. interesting. The police didn't, the detective didn't even say anything to me like that. Wouldn't, well, wouldn't that's not it. their responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Their focus is local jurisdiction and local law, laws that they can enforce. So when someone steals money, that's undeclared income. Mm -hmm. If you give them a loan that they don't pay back, that's undeclared income. So the reality is that you do have that option, and the IRS really doesn't have any sense of humor when it comes to these issues. <laughs> uh, also, when it's done in this way, they can get a judgment at the snap of their fingers, and even bankruptcy won't free that up. So that'll be a lifelong debt to the IRS, even if they're not prosecuted. Hmm. Very wow. interesting. Good news. So, Thank you for the information. You're welcome. So, And, and you can still do this, by the way. Um, you know, so many different scams. In the case of grandmothers, uh, grandparent scams, very simple mechanism that every parent and grandparent, well, actually the parents should arrange for this. There's a thing called a safe word. Yes. Ah, yep. Get a safe word in place that your children, the parents, the grandparents, they all know it. No one else would know it whether it's bobby socks or lemonade, it doesn't matter what the word is, it's just something rememberable, that in the event of an emergency, you give the safe word, you know it's real. It's that simple. Yes, and one of the people in my book, one of the stories, she did have a safe word. And you're right, that, that did help them a lot. If they, yeah, so, if they remember. Yes, if they remember, yeah. they're not caught up in the emotion, right? Yeah. Well, but... The emotions will only last for a certain period of time, particularly if you're driving to the store to get a uh, to get a gift card. Now, as far as the bank is concerned, um, you actually can report the bank itself for failure to comply with the the FINRA and Money Laundering Act because no cash transaction above. $5,000 should not have been reported. Mm. 
So, and in fact, transaction of that size, uh, particularly cash, they should have had the obligation of calling law enforcement to have law enforcement come and take a report on the amount of money. Hmm. This is, is, that, the, is that an ongoing thing or is that every, new? No. These have been around for a decade or more. Okay. And these are state laws in addition to the federal laws. So, for example, I closed out an account at one bank, and instead of getting a cashier's check, I had it converted to cash because that way I could just deposit it in the new bank. Um, I should have just done a wire transfer. Yeah. It would have been there within an hour. But I did it in cash, and it was it was $12,000. And they actually called the police to take my identification and to take a report just in the event that it was money laundering. Hmm. It wasn't a problem, but it was thoroughly documented as a result of this. And all banks should be doing this. We actually have financial institutions on our board of directors and our advisory board. And this is one of the areas that we're working aggressively to change national policy on, is to get banks to stop hiding and to play a more proactive role. Your supermarket, when you go and buy the gift cards, they're actively advising people about the probability of scams and how to know and, and not know, etc. They're doing the right things, but banks, on the other hand, hide behind their policies, which in many cases are not actually compliant with the law. Hmm. Dr. Tim, but, I have a question for you about the uh, banks. I yep. actually got an attorney involved to go after the bank because when I did Good. it on my own, I was rejected three times by, because they said sure. to me I didn't report it 30 plus five days. So when I finally got an attorney, the attorney did uh, whatever way, she that's could. Only, that's only true for a credit card. Okay, well, that's not what they told us. That's not what they reported, and they wrote back to us in writing that, that you know, she had 30 plus five days to re report this claim. And that is also on a state-by-state -state basis. Individual states can have different time fuses for okay. debit accounts. Okay. So the but attorney... But now in this particular case, this was, this was the result of checks being written, correct? This was the result of checks being written. That's correct. Yes. If, it, if they had used her debit card, it would have been five days. Ah, oh, wow. All right. Good to know that, too. So I guess the question I have for you is... Since I got an attorney involved, how come the attorney didn't advise me about the IRS and about tax evasion and all this other stuff? Because they're not interested in, for lack of a better term, revenge or vengeance. They're, they're looking to solve a problem for you. They weren't yeah. particularly interested in how to put this person in jail for more time. Well, they're not tax I attorneys. Right. Well, it's not a question of being a tax attorney. It's more a question of they're just not as aware. Uh, I actually had an ex-CEO who embezzled from a company that I was a co-founder of. He embezzled about $20 million a year. And unfortunately, he embezzled a million dollars out of my department that put me under the microscope as a result of this. I didn't do anything wrong, but nevertheless... He wasn't sent to jail because of fraud or embezzlement. He was sent to jail for tax evasion hmm. because that way the company didn't have to get involved 
in a lengthy trial where their own internal processes would have been under extreme scrutiny. So it was simply a case of he stole the money, he didn't pay taxes on it, the result was tax evasion. That's the way you you go after gangsters as well. One of the ways in which we get scammers arrested in Nigeria is not because they've scammed someone, it's because they didn't report their income to the local tax agency. (laughs) Once the tax warrants are issued, then they can discover everything else and then add those charges on top of the tax evasion or uh, failure to report or whatever the, the particular circumstance happens to be. But tax evasion is an incredibly useful tool incredibly scary tool as well I would guess but going going back to the issue of elderly individuals in scams in general the reality is yes absolutely you need a trusted person who can aid someone who is getting on in years make proper financial decisions that is so difficult to do one of the most heartbreaking things that we have to deal with as an organization are family members who come to us who have a an elderly relative who is in the throes of a, of a scam some form of a socially engineered relationship scam typically a romance scam but there are other kinds as well lotto scams etc and they absolutely cannot convince this person that it is a scam so the result is that the victim will just continue to bleed money to the point where they're virtually homeless or literally homeless and they're forced to go through the whole process of involving social workers family court etc to try and have the person declared incompetent to manage their own finances and unfortunately that is also a state-by-state issue and some states are more sensitive to the issue than other states it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do once the person is firmly committed into the fake relationship and getting them out of it it is truly an addiction so the result is is that unfortunately victims many times can be dealt with in a very rational way once they discover that it's a scam they recognize it they acknowledge it they accept it etc and are able to move forward many victims are completely incapable of doing that they are literally addicted to whatever the scam may be the relationship etc and that's an addiction based upon their own hormones their own emotional reaction and dealing with them is an extremely difficult and traumatic experience for everyone in the family this is another thing that people don't pay enough attention to is once the scams over it's not just the victim who has been suffering through this that victim will actually have put their entire family and many of their friends through a kind of trauma in and of itself also known as vicarious trauma which is that they've been trying to warn the person change their course steer them away from this and have been powerless to be able to do so and all they can do is watch this watch the victim self-destruct in the process 
It, well, it's very difficult, and, and we're actually running out of time. This is an incredible um, discussion and opportunity, and what we want people to understand is that you need to help your family members be aware of this happening. And Debbie, can I yes. inject real quickly? Yes, sir, go we ahead. We have guides on our website, romancescamsnow.com, which are specifically designed for family members and friends of scam victims to help them understand how these scams work, what they are, and also the process of how to stage an intervention and how to speak to a victim in total denial and what those processes are like. It's an excellent source, Tim. Thank you so much. So it's romancescamsnow.com. Debbie, thank you so much for, for making us aware of what's happening out there. And, you know, in Tim's in my world, we, we are around this a lot, but so many people don't understand it can happen to your family member. And many people think, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Well, what I say is it may not happen to you, but what if it were to happen to your mother or your grandmother or your daughter? And that, I think, makes people realize that it's out there, it's happening on a minute by minute, and what Tim say, twice, twice a minute. Uh, it's happening all the time. And the victims are not going to speak up because they're ashamed, they're afraid, they're vulnerable, and they just don't want to appear stupid, which they are not. Do not do the victim blame, folks. Please do not be there to, to encourage them and to uh, support them. So, Debbie, last word to our to our audience just just be aware just be aware and and just remember that it's okay you know you, we all want to protect our families but be smart about it if it doesn't feel right as you said earlier if it's not in your feel right in your gut it's not going to be right there you go thank you so much and her book is protecting the ravagers generation every person over 40 ought to be reading this because you may not know what the rabbit ears are, but it's your grandparents and it's your parents. And before you know it, we're going to be at that age. And I, I'm glad my kids, you know, know what's going on here because uh, it's around us every day. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for being here. Thank you to our audience for being here. Stand Up and Speak Up is for you. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove that mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. And if you are a victim of a scam or cybercrime, or you're a family member, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami. And we are here to support scam victims worldwide. If you can support us with a small donation, go to againstscams.org and there'll be some information there. But this episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those of you with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in your hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. I want to thank everybody today for being here on Stand Up and Speak Up. I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of The Woman Behind the Smile. I have some great information on thewomanbehindthesmile.com. We were just on oxygen.com the other day. On a, Tim, Dr. Tim and I were with uh, Colonel Brian Denny and Kathy Waters, and we had an excellent interview about manipulation, and it's on our website. The replay is on thewomanbehindthesmile.com as, as well as easypray.com with Chris Parker was a podcast. 
that talk in uh, channel 13 up in Maine about money mules. There's so much information out there and we've got to get it out to the world. So again, thanks Deb for protecting the rabbit ears generation, Dr. Tim and our, our audience. I appreciate you all being here. Look forward to you being with us next week. Go out there, be healthy, be safe, and have a wonderful day today, folks. Thanks so much for being with us.